I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Dakshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. My name is Sudarshan, and I'm the junior research scholar for Takshashila's 20 Million Jobs. And in today's episode, we'll discuss about the skill ecosystem in India with further discussions around Rozgar Mela and NSDC. I also have with me Soumya Prabhakar, head of corporate affairs at Takshashila. Thanks, Sudarshan, and hello and welcome once again. We are here to talk about the skill ecosystem, and I'm proud to have two of our alumni. One is Priyanka Patel and Navneet Ganesh, and both of them are at the Mahatma Gandhi National Fellowship, Ministry of Skill and Development, and Entrepreneurship here in Bangalore. So I thought it would be interesting for Sudarshan and myself to kind of go over the. entire initiative bit as well as look at the different tangents so before we get started let's actually look at what the skill ecosystem looks like and the spirit behind you know initiating something like this and a little bit of how things have panned out and then we'll get into the details of it okay so the ministry of skill development and entrepreneurship although is a a fairly uh, new ministry country has been thinking about skill since way back in 2008 when the national skill development fund was set up a whole task force was set up to look at the national skill qualification framework and the national skill development corporation was set up since then the national skill development corporation which operates on a public private partnership model has incubated 37 sector skill councils which are non profits that are industry consortiums that engage with actively with the industry and the you know skilling uh, training providers so uh, this is the structure at the top and at every state there is a state skill development mission and at every district there is a district skill mission which is headed by the district magistrate of that district so the spirit of the entire ecosystem is that it is supposed to be decentralized it has it is supposed to be bottom up and and the districts and the states at sub country levels participate in the uh, initiatives that happen at the top and it percolates down to every bit you know to understand skill ecosystem in our country we need to talk about the education system of our country first we used to prioritize on these conventional degrees first but now we've understood that what industry needs is not just education they need skill so therefore the need to identify skill as a concept other than education came up since then like navneet said here that was started way before the ministry even was set up so it was 2008 i think the star scheme was uh, launched so but the ideation of the skill was not as comprehensive as it is now like today we have so many sector skill councils we have district level administrations monitoring skill in each district but what star scheme did before was it laid the foundation for what we have today about the comprehensive network of skilling ecosystem that we have and even the private industries they understood that what how skilling ecosystem was necessary the identification of that happened in the ministry and that's why it's good that today the skill ministry is set up it's not just education but skilling is as important so that's why we are talking about skilling today 
so it's essentially making people job ready and not just giving them theoretical inputs which typically you know our education system would strengthen is a lot of theoretical concepts and fundamentals but here the skill ecosystem is looking at anchoring you know things that will help them readily get jobs is that what it's meant to be doing yeah absolutely i mean obviously when we spoke about education we spoke about like you know your classroom studies and your theoretical concept of it which is as important as we also need practical knowledge but we were not identifying the practical aspect of it so what we're doing today is we're identifying the practical aspect we are planning to you know include your on job trainings your apprenticeship programs your internship programs through skilling system there is the education track and there is the vocation track well education track is very aspirational for a better quality of life vocational track for example itis and the uh, you know short term skill training programs is left or has largely been left to people who have dropped out of the education track either dropouts or people who want a job as soon as they finish their 10th or 12th and don't want to spend another 4 years in education so this also is an attempt to make the vocational track aspirational and through the national credit framework and uh, the entire gamut of things that surround it it is to bring and through the uh, national education policy also is to bring education and vocation together and have vocation and uh, skill development courses integrated with the educational courses and not have them as two separate tracks multiple entry and multiple exit points from either you know track Okay. So what they're doing now is that they're complementing each other right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So there's no entry barrier for any of these courses that's offered more from the skilling point of view, or there is basic education that's required. There is. There is. And uh, like there is an entry criteria. I wouldn't say it's a barrier. Okay. It's just like there are uh, educational uh, levels like. class 10 class 12 class this one there is something called as the nsqf national skill qualification framework which puts 12 levels for any you know skill training to be given so that has an equation with the education system for example if a skill needs minimum 8 standard education it will have a level 3 or a level 4 if it needs a graduate level education it will have a nsqf level 6 so that kind of an equation has exists so if you are do a course which is nsqf level 6 you need to have a minimum qualification of a bachelor's degree preferably in the subjects that are recommended it's something like that so the national skill qualification framework and the sector skill councils that have created these curriculums in a partnership with the industry ensure that the curriculum thus created is industry ready it's called a national occupational standards qualification packs qp for national occupational standards so what that does is it ensures that the training that is given short term or long term training that is given to the trainees is industry compliant and at the end of the training period and the on job training the candidate is ready for the industry okay sudeesh i want to go next yeah hi namnita and priyanka so i think the question that i want to ask is related to the rozgar mela which is in news right now when somebody searches about it online there are news reports which are telling the number of jobs that have been handed out but there's not much information on the kind of jobs that people are getting where are these roles coming from what's the nature of these jobs so i would appreciate if you can just highlight that a bit yeah sudeesh you know the idea of rozgar mela was to 
curb or reduce migration. There was a lot of inter-district and inter-state migration as well. And it was not helping the economy of the grassroots. That's why we came. the government came up with the concept of this Rosgar Mela. Before, there used to be, you know, we used to hear about these placement drives, job fairs, etc. But it wasn't as organized as it is today. So today what they're doing is they're trying to hold these Rosgar Mela at the district level. Usually, it would happen in a metropolitan city center in the state where again people have different districts to migrate to the those city centers but now what they're trying to do is they are trying to again decentralize the rosgar melas into districts so the idea of this is to make the districts self sustainable the youth of the district should be working in the district for the district and to develop the economy of the district so rosgar melas were started on this idea now since uh, sudisha is asking about the recent uh, rosgar mela event uh, that was launched the idea is not to just, you know, it, and I think it is a symbolic event where, you know, it is like a clarion call for other districts as well to, you know, come up with their own Rosgar Melas. So instead of focusing on how many numbers were actually, you know, targeted in the recent launch, we need to understand why it was even done. It was happening before, but since Prime Minister took it up, maybe it helped the other districts as well to wake up and, you know, to do these things. Those weren't as mandated as before, but now I think every district is mandated. They need to have Udyoga Medas every three months, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. So that's the idea behind this. Sudisha, are you alluding to the 75,000 applications that were distributed recently? Yeah, yes, pretty much that. So the 75,000, I mean, giving an appointment letter is not a big deal and any company can give out appointment letters and companies do need a lot of talent. They need to hire a lot of people. This is from my own recent experience holding Rosgar Melas in our own districts since I'm a fellow in Gadag district of Karnataka. So we've tried to, you know, come up with these uh, Udyoga Mela programs uh, in our districts. In my district, the specific issue is that we don't have a lot of industries. And uh, any industry that comes from neighboring districts will be needing a lot of people because usually people from North Karnataka migrate to South Karnataka for in search of yeah. jobs. Yeah. That's why there's a lot of dearth of talent for industries that are set up in North Karnataka. What we experienced in our uh, Rosgar Mela that was held in Kadag was that most of the companies were ready to hand out appointment letters just like that without even interviews. They knew that the candidates are qualified ITI graduates. And they weren't looking much for, you know, communication skills or all these soft skill jargons that we, you know, <laughs> give a lot of importance about. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they were like desperate, I, I would say, because the way they were handing out the appointment letters, they were desperate to, you know, hire talent. But how many actually go into those jobs? 200 appointment letters were actually uh, handed out. I think hardly 10 or 20 would have gone for those jobs. Oh. So there is no post-placement tracking for these people. Like, I mean... We can't just stop at giving appointment letters. We need to follow up on closure, that. Right? Yeah, yeah. There's no closure on those. But, uh, how do you actually announce these things? Like, do women also participate in these conversations? Because mobility is like a key element here, right? Uh, one is how to get to places where uh, such melas happen. Is it accessible? Is it convenient for even, you know, female labor force participation rates to improve? Yeah. So these Rosgar Melas, when I mean, it's again, what I said was it was held in the district. Therefore, the, you know, the commute for women as well, it would be much easier than, you know, commuting to Bangalore or Mysore right. or places yeah. like these where usually the uh, placement drives were held. When it is within the district, it is easier for uh, women to travel. So I would assume that, you know, a participation of women. We don't have clear numbers on this. That's the point. We need to you know focus more on how many women participated. But in my experience, placement drive that we conducted in our district, approximately 25 to 30 percent of women participated, which was actually a very good turnout. 
from what we expected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you were Bra- saying something brass tax numbers rozgar melas and udyoga melas have a bad rep for being show rather than a do but if you really look at the reports also and the way the entire uh, program design is sort of structured it is not that one organization or one central authority is organizing the mela there are the prime ministers kaushalya kendras pmk kes they are organizing right. rozgar melas the sector skill councils they are organizing uh, rozgar melas the state skill development and the district skill missions they are organizing rozgar melas the national skill development corporation itself in some uh, cases are organizing rozgar melas so it's not happening it doesn't necessarily have to happen in a you know big way with the pandal and things like that it can happen in small this one some of them are just 65 candidates and five companies where 62 of them are placed at you know smaller level so right. if you look at it in that perspective the number sort of makes sense at the outset if like portrayed in the media 75000 75000 is an aggregation of all of that it is it is the sort of bottom up approach that comes so pmkk is also trained and the placement drives for the candidates who are trained because these are uh, sector skill council certified the courses there will be a sort of intent letter that is given to the organization prior to the training itself saying at the end of 3 months i am going to uh, hire 30 of your candidates so if the program design is in such a way then the placement sort of becomes easier and your numbers uh, make more sense and there is uh, you know inclusion uh, criteria embedded into the work orders that are given for example if 30 candidates are there a percentage has to be from women a percentage has to be uh, you know obc ssc all of these uh, criteria are also embedded in the program sort of design so at that uh, from when we look at it from that perspective it sort of makes more sense than Uh, just looking at it from the end result perspective that's what i would like to add okay so lending into this uh, are there efforts towards making it very localized in terms of job placements like you said number of people who come for this might be promising but because if you don't give a local employment my own experience of being at the grassroots level communities working alongside with them the challenge i saw that a youngsters is actually skilled in mobile repairs but the audience for that would be in the urban setup now this youngster goes to the city to ensure that you know a job is there in hand but then you have your living expenses which are higher then you have a meager salary amount that comes in so you can't sustain and you're compromised even on nutrition so uh, the family says come back now how does that ecosystem work and if you could talk about the karnataka kaushalya or anything that's worked even in the orissa belt we were just reading up something so if you could kind of elaborate on that yeah from my own personal experience i know for sure that youth are not ready to migrate to city centers they want to be in their districts they want to be with their families and you know uh, look for job good jobs aspirational jobs in their own districts they don't want to migrate even though they have a lucrative salary outside better paying you know opportunities they wouldn't migrate that's what i've experienced in my district i mean youth have a lot of you know access to information right now so they know that the standards that job actually gives them and they want those standards in their own communities they don't want to you know hold this you know them going and living in some lucrative area whereas their parents or their family are you know are back in their rural districts they don't want to do that so what i've realized is maybe you can give them a lucrative job minimum paying job in their own district they would be happier with that uh, recently we held a 
placement drive for these uh, for the candidates who had a graduate uh, not graduate they were certified in the PMKY COVID crash course program so this crash course program was launched during the COVID pandemic to address the you know a lack of healthcare workers uh, in hospitals so these candidates were given an opportunity to you know they were given a little bit of theory as well as on job training in the hospitals so with a you know minimum stipend or something but the problem i mean after they certified covid pandemic is over their ba- everything is almost back to normal right now hospitals don't need them anymore now they are, uh, they want to you know look for jobs there are not many hospitals in gadag district but there is a lot of uh, demand you know in uh, the geriatric healthcare and you know home healthcare sector so we we found companies who were hiring for these uh, opportunities they came to the district they hired these people but none of them were ready to you know migrate to other district even though there was zero expense from their part there was no living expense as well because it was a home healthcare they were you know staying with the patient at home the salary was well above minimum wages there was no uh, you know boarding or lodging expenses for them despite that they were not ready to move because they don't want to live in any other uh, you know even though it pays well they don't want to uh, get away from families they don't want to you know the youth have a lot of responsibilities in their home so i think we're not identifying these issues and that's why the you usually don't migrate to these cities since you gave me an example of you know like living elsewhere and uh, you know obviously they have to live on their own and they don't have as many comfort as much of comfort that they had back home that is another issue i'm sure but apart from that i'm pretty sure that they don't want to migrate to others that's why uh, the need of rozgar melas came into place that we need to find jobs locally if there are no industries maybe you can you know make them self sustainable to be an entrepreneur or you know self employment you can identify opportunities that are in the district but you know don't go for these i mean that's the advice we got like don't go for these you know mass migration of you know you know some big company from different city coming to your city and then hiring people it's it's never going to work long term at the district level the idea of having a district skill mission is to address this very sort of issue like she said provide entrepreneurial opportunities for those who do, for districts that do not necessarily have a large industry uh, base the district skill committee is, uh, is constitutes of the government officials representatives from the industry representatives from the civil society representatives from academia all of that it's a very on paper at least it's very well designed uh, sort of committee what that does is identify these bottlenecks and uh, take you know district level decisions administrative decisions and encourage uh, district level programs to sort of address these uh, uh, bottlenecks so uh, there is the lead bank manager who is also a, a participant so for example if a skilled person from uh, some districts want to take up some initiative the lead bank through the lead uh, district manager ldm he or she can apply for uh, loans and you know start their sort of enterprise and the district skills committee and district skill development office at the district level will support that if uh, they want to group up and form a self help group and uh, do some business that way the national rural livelihoods mission or the national urban livelihoods mission can support them so there are uh, you know at least in some form there are uh, methods to sort of address these issues the efficiency needs to be increased the access for it needs to be increased and uh, it has to go m- more to the people or, and vice versa people need to come to that to sort of uh, address this issue at at large and you also talked about odisha and uh, the lessons we could sort of take from some lead states so the early next year there is uh, there is supposed to be the national uh, chief secretary's conference at uh, delhi and for that uh, skilling is one of the sub tracks sub themes that is uh, done odisha and karnataka are selected as the lead states for uh, skilling 
Odisha for access to skilling and Karnataka for quality in skilling. So uh, what activity, we were part of it, you know, recently, what this activity sort of did at the you know state levels was grouping 18 states and union territories together and having a discussion on how to improve access to skilling and how to improve quality in skilling. For example, Odisha has done a very interesting initiative where they have sort of made the skilling track aspirations. That's something we just uh, spoke about. What they've done is they've completed one main thing is how you appear. You dress for the man you want to be is a or the woman you want to be is a quote that is you know thrown out a lot. It's that you make your uniforms something nice instead of you know the drab uniforms that usually ITI students are forced to wear. That was point number one. Point number two, just like the Teach for India fellowship that has young people going into uh, these uh, schools and teaching there, the Odisha government sort of initiated a fellowship for young engineers to go and uh, teach in ITIs for two years. So initiatives like this sort of made skilling aspirational or this vocational track aspirational and it improved access. Similarly, in Karnataka's case, we, we when we talk about quality, having a strong monitoring, this one in place, ensuring that so we have a we have a mechanism of giving work orders to because these skill training programs are essentially free short term skill training program the government pays for it the government pays for every candidate that is skilled by the training provider we have a mechanism where we have regular you know visits by the district skill development officer regular monitoring of the skill training program we have cctv monitoring of this one and we also have a mechanism where only if the candidates of that training center are placed 70% or more are placed, we give them further, you know, work orders. It's a process where um, qualities and then letter of intents and uh, expression of interest from the industry, all of that also comes in. So these are best practices that we share with the larger uh, state communities and they take it to their states. Okay. Like okay. No, no, it, it's quite uh, aspirational as yeah. well, right? And it's uh, nice that some innovation has come in place. We'll take a quick break and then come back to this conversation. Yeah. Welcome back. And now we will kind of also try and see uh, in the Karnataka context, if there is something that's being done or uh, if there's a roadmap ahead, which uh, has more promise, both Priyanka and Navneet could quickly share a little bit on that note. Yeah, Karnataka has actually come up with a lot of initiatives. I mean, there are, you know, really, really innovative uh, concepts that we've come up with to address uh, industry demand for skilling, not just locally, but also globally. You know, there is something called as a Skill Connect portal. Like it's an integrated comprehensive portal alternative to something that we talk about like LinkedIn or Naukri or, you know, these other job portals. But this is completely run by the government of Karnataka. It's free, it's accessible. And uh, it's integrated with, you know, LMS learning management system. And you know, there are mentors there uh, who can, you know, guide throughout your career. And there are uh, job opportunities like, you know, apprenticeship opportunities, full-time opportunities, internship opportunities, government jobs, private jobs. It's completely an integrated portal. So, uh, you know, uh, any uh, youth who is looking for a job can, you know, register themselves there. Any industry looking for talent can register themselves there. So it's completely run by government of Karnataka. So the idea of this is to make it more accessible. You know, all these other private job portals are actually, you know, they charge you premium fees. So obviously the rural, the, you know, marginalized communities are completely dropped out of the of those uh, portals. But this here, the idea is to, you know, cover the entire uh, state. And there is something called as International Migration Center. So this is to, you know, identify, you know, job uh, youth who are uh, 
looking for jobs abroad so karnataka has tied up with karnataka actually there are many you know private recruitment agencies who you know charge a certain amount of fees uh, you know to look for job abroad and you know tie up with employers outside but what government is doing that again it's making it accessible you know they'll give you genuine job opportunities you know there are a lot of you know scams happening with the private recruitment agencies so the government itself is now identified as a recruitment agency they will uh, you know mobilize the youth here who are interested to look for jobs abroad and they also want to you know not limit themselves to certain kind of jobs but cover all sectors you know even high paying jobs right down to you know your uh, domestic workers your home healthcare workers uh, nurses etc do you want to add more to that amit yeah yeah so the, the international migration center karnataka has already sent uh, 500 plus people abroad for various uh, job roles over the last uh, year for its existence the idea is to give a complete you know support structure for anybody who wants to go abroad right from uh, their uh, pre departure orientation training to their uh, visa to their uh, you know placement with the employer there that's something very important to their uh, connection with the embassy if they want to come back that process facilitating the entire uh, process from the government because uh, we don't want to have these we we hear a lot about their the problems of people going there yeah. and not being you know treated well and not being able to sort of contact the embassies and things like that NSDC also recently has come up with an initiative called NSDC International where it planning to do the the same thing there are MOU signed with so the idea of skill india is not just skill for india it's skill in india skill for the world that's the idea so uh, countries like japan australia the middle east they are in dire need of skilled manpower and look, looking to india to supply it and the demographic dividend right now caters to that if if you are able to uh, capitalize on this opportunity then we uh, uh, will you know make good use of the opportunities that exist abroad so that's the idea behind these uh, initiatives that happen at the state level and at the national level let's see how it uh, you know pans out and i'm i'm hopeful that it pans out uh, well okay and the recruitment process would be different as it in terms of what's followed it's similar to what the industry is higher here as well you know okay. uh, you know these basic interviews tests mm. sort of things depending on the companies that are hiring uh, recently we had a job opportunity from a romania train factory so they were hiring for you know iti candidates locally we did engage a lot of iti students you know to mobilize them and everything but there is a little bit of you know a language problem them migrating to a different country completely it's not even english language they have a different language there so all these kind of challenges which are being addressed by the government they're trying to again like navneet said in the pre departure orientation training it's called p dot so there is a foreign language training as well they train them in the language of the destination and then they send them to the states after they get their appointment letter yeah that's the idea behind the national school qualification framework because it is certified by industry it is uh, it is supposed to be internationally valid so any nsqf certificate holder your itid diplomas are uh, nsqf certified your short term skill training programs under pmkuy cmkky or uh, ddugky or any of the nsqf certified you know, programs are all nsqf certified so if you have an nsqf level 6 that means you are eligible for certain job roles in cert most if not all uh, countries other than uh, of course india interesting but given that there is so much happening given on the tech front and you know ensuring gaps are kind mm-hmm. of closed do you also see like there are work from home opportunities and all that that's created as well in the midst of covid did that happen yeah pandemic actually gave away a lot to you know creating work from home opportunities i mean when it comes to it sector it's easier to you know create work right. from home opportunities yeah. and again that's 
like women benefited a lot from that actually because many you know hesitated to migrate or you know the commute would be horrible or you know burdens of you know other mm. responsibilities as well fell upon them so work from home actually gave access to actually work so uh, there are companies but i'm hearing that again the com- companies are going back to their old working methods i hope that's not going to be like because you know it gives you that gives you that flexibility of working from home but other sectors i mean we can't expect yeah. that one of the other initiatives you've taken which also forms one of the tenants or pillars of the skill ecosystem along with inclusion is industry engagement or industry linkage so the karnataka skill development corporation has uh, constituted something called as the industry linkage cell what this does is this actively engages with industries to map out their requirements and pilot demand based employment linked skill training programs using the facilities and the equipment that the industries have in their premises and after once the training is over they are job ready they get absorbed into that industry or any of the you know uh, similarly serviceable sort of industries so we look at industry associations we look at industries as in companies themselves uh, engaging on that this ranges from everything right from logistics to capital goods to tech to you know manufacturing everything so this is one of the initiatives that karnataka skill development has taken as a best practice and uh, is looking to pilot it across the state and maybe uh, scale it up to the other this one as well another uh, initiative would be the udyoga initiative where uh, it works on a private partnership model where uh, tata trust and tata technologies and uh, an industry consortium of 15 other industries have come together and invested uh, upwards of 4000 crores on upgrading itis and making them competent enough for industry 4.0 so that uh, students get uh, on hand experience there and are absorbed into jobs so these are some of the ways that the karnataka the government has been working on it and other governments also are you know working on initiatives like this like the skill university like uh, skill parks etc when we talk about you know having multiple pathways after the fellowship or in the public policy sector you know in our experience like when during our fellowship as well the idea of you know when navneet said we have to work with different industries different sectors as well the intention is that we shouldn't leave any sector behind like we are giving importance to your manufacturing capital goods etc but you don't leave behind agriculture sector as well so you have to identify agriculture sector so one of the initiatives that the central government has come up with is to make a comprehensive district skill development plan so it's not just you know somewhere in the top management they come they you know they say that you know districts need to be empowered no people in the district have to think about the district come up with a comprehensive district skill development plan where we identify the sectors that are active in the district for example in my district gadag there are no large industries the major focus is on agriculture what next after agriculture you can't just rely on the uh, you know the farming uh, sector because you know of uh, irregular uh, climatic con- conditions so you need to focus on value addition for agriculture you need to focus on food industries food processing industries etc that's why right now in our fellowship as well we are uh, you know our one of our key performance indi- indicators is to come up with comprehensive district skill development plan which will guide the district administration you know to come up with initiatives with reference to the plan so that is one thing we are engaged in and this actually you know opens up a lot of opportunities in the district as well just by mentioning the important sectors that are in the district will actually give new ideas for the youth in the district 
you know, just by saying that there is scope for food processing industries, maybe the youth can come and set up their food processing industries in the district. And the governments, the banks, they're ready to give out credit linkages for these kind of initiatives. Again, it's another step towards making the district self-sustainable, yeah. I think. Yeah. All right. So great having uh, Navneet and Priyanka here uh, on this uh, podcast. And uh, um, being Takshashila alumna, we also realized that um, at least Priyanka was an UPSC aspirant at some point. And uh, currently Navneet is so soaked in the role that there's so much excitement every time I talk to him. And he has so many things to share. Okay, that's happening. This is new. These are the challenges kind of thing. So on the closing note, if you would like to share uh, beyond UPSC, I'm sure there are other avenues for people to engage in doing uh, exciting stuff so we could close on that so yeah this is my favorite topic actually because 2013 I graduated from engineering and you know information science engineering so obviously there was a lot of uh, everyone was were going towards you know IT sector you know lucrative jobs and everything but I obviously was not interested I did engineering as well but uh, after that you know the conventional mindset was if you want to get into policy if you want to get into social sector you will have to you know look for government job you know be a new you know IAS officer or something like that but and that's what I thought as well and that's why I started preparing for my UPSC and that's where I got the exposure of you know what a vast sea of opportunities that have that social sector has created and uh, I started my own NGO in 2015 after that so that actually gave me access to skilling ecosystem in the in the state in the country and uh, that's where I found out that you know preparing for UPSC or government job is not just only way for, you know, getting into public policy or, you know, social sector. And that's when I found out about Takshashila as well. And it being, you know, many of my, uh, you know, friends had, you know, passed out of this institution. And uh, that's when I found out how, you know, there is an alternative, completely alternative ecosystem to get into public policy. So this actually gave me an opportunity to, you know, completely build a career out of public policy from here. Yeah. So that's, you know, I actually suggest everyone that, you know, who are preparing for government exams as well, uh, that's not the end of it. Like there are a lot of opportunities. First of all, it's uh, nice to be in all things policy. I uh, keep listening to the podcast on my long, long commutes uh, in Bangalore. Uh, and uh, <laughs> for the first time it to be on the other side, it's, it's quite a nice feeling. People want to work in government because they can pilot programs at scale and see real change happen. Which is uh, which is great, but the the only way of working with governments is not necessarily in government jobs. There are you know opportunities like the fellowship we are doing, where we are working completely in the system and uh, contributing to real uh, you know change that will have ripple effects later on. Plus, there are opportunities where you can work on government projects like Priyanka. She, before she was a fellow, she has been working with the skill ecosystem on training for a while, taking up government projects and uh, helping it percolate to the ground. So there are opportunities aplenty. Uh, there are internships with the government. There are fellowships with the government. There are Government has public-private partnerships which hire like companies where you work. For example, NSTC, it may be DPIIT, it may be Invest India, it may be Startup India. All of these initiatives that the government has taken, it looks for young professionals to engage in some uh, form or the other. And if you do not like it after a while, it's, you always have the option of uh, going back into the corporate sector. So opportunities like this are plenty. And I, I think as you know, aspirants of creating change, this is something that we need to look at as well. Okay. Thanks so much, Priyanka and Navneet. Sudesha, thanks for hosting all of us on this conversation. Yeah, thanks for the podcast. And we'll be back with another one soon. Sure. If you liked our show, 
don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy, and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in. <laughs>